Hey there, Vernacular Faithful. Redcoat here. I've got uh, Softy with me. Say hello, Softy. Hi. I'm Softy. Yeah. So he's a sound designer that we're working with for the project Legends of Mathematica Under the Shadows of Certainty. And he's been doing a lot of sound effect work for us, although he's worked with us in the past on other, um, in other ways as well. So uh, we're just going to do a little interview here, talk to, uh, talk to old Softy about his way of doing things and uh, his work on Legend of Mathematica as well. So uh, Softy, uh, to start out, I wanted to um, ask you about... What um, what attracted you to sound uh, sound and music in particular, as a dude, or you well, know as a as a guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, ever since I was young, you know, music is kind of like something that's uh, really a language of humans, you know, and like I've heard stories from my parents that ever since I was like a toddler I would just be going around banging on stuff and then around uh, seventh grade I started getting into drumming uh, and then uh, I really started getting into like music uh, production and that sort of thing um, back in senior year of high school because I was doing the uh, WANIC program the second year of that over at DigiPen. And our team, we needed someone to do the sound work and music. And given I was the most musically competent of the four of, or the, out of the four people in my group, myself included, um, I just sort of fell upon me to do that. And then I just kind of like, after doing that for a while, I was like, hey, this is fun. And yeah, that's the story of how that happened. Yeah. So you were doing, uh, you were doing music um, long before I uh, actually ran into you. Um, cause that was at like uh, L Dub, I think. Uh, right. L Dub Tech. Yeah. Doing the whole design, design dealy. Mm -hmm. Um, so with the uh with the current project that we're working on uh, legends of mathematica uh can you uh can you speak to what it's been like so far just kind of working on the uh working on the project um you know some th uh challenges you've run into and just the kind of vibe you've gotten well it's been pretty fun so far um i like the way that um skitter gets uh, the tasks to me, like he'll typically go and just give me a whole list of um, sounds to make. And every now and again, if I ask for like an example, uh, he'll provide me with one or you have sometimes as well. And then um, another thing that he did earlier on when I first joined on that was really, really helpful was he would provide videos of certain like things happening in game so that I could get a visual representation of what the move is supposed to look like. And 
when it comes to sound design, that is one of the most helpful things. Because, like, uh, take movies, for example. The sound design doesn't happen until after the movie is shot. Like, after all the video is edited and everything, you don't, you don't do the sound work until after everything is done. Yeah, that makes sense because uh, it's the uh, it's the whole uh, well the the philosophy that comes to mind is the idea that there's there's the there's the real sound and then there's the right sound if that makes sense where it's, yes, you have exactly. the yeah um, I think to uh, uh, well the example that always comes to mind is the pterodactyl in Jurassic Park three uh, and mm-hmm. th- that is. It uses dental floss, I think. Um, like, there's a like part that. of the sound. Um, yeah. And, like, oh, was it? It's uh, cutting steel twine is what they use to make blaster bolts in Star mm. Wars. Mm, yeah. Um, or, like, um, one thing. I watched this uh, video on YouTube about um, the sound design behind that movie, uh, A Quiet Place, the one by John Krasinski. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, with all the weird aliens that are blind but use, like, a weird echolocation thing. Mm-hmm. And the way they got the sound, like, like some of the sounds, um, uh, like, there's this one point towards the end of the movie where uh, John Krasinski's character, like, pumps a shotgun, and they actually pumped a shotgun for that one. But, mm-hmm. um... As for, like, the weird aliens, their echolocation thing, the way they got that sound is they put a taser up to a grape. They, <laughs> they tased a grape and then did something with that sound. I think they, like, stretched it out or something. Like, time-stretched mm. it, and they got this really weird clicking kind of noise that just sounded so cool. Yeah, but that I think that's a I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point to belabor. I think is just the fact that um, like sound effect work in particular is it's super creative. Like there's as there's so many different ways to solve the problem of I need X to sound like Y. Yeah, you know, like um, another example I tend to think of is in the Mortal Kombat series how they'll use like. Like, um, was it like vegetables and fruit? yeah, uh, fruits and vegetables for guts? Um, they'll use like plungers, like suction cups against slime you make from glue for like bloody kind of sounds, yeah. Um, and like because you can't just like get actual guts and do that that'd be <laughs> that'd be <a> inhumane <laughs> yeah <laughs> well a if you were to get actual human guts and bones and uh, remains I well we'd have a lawsuit illegal. on our hands <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yes, yeah i yes. think that's illegal uh, well but like, i mean you could buy them from the morgue maybe i don't know maybe i don't know <laughs> it's a dark road to go down and, and then like uh, using like animal guts, like p- 
pig liver or whatever wouldn't sound the same, you know? Yeah. A different uh, mass, different biology, it'd just be a different kind of sound. Uh, like, if you were to try and get a goat liver to sound like a human large intestine, and that doesn't make sense. But yeah, I you mean, just squish a few bell peppers and somehow that sounds like it. And, you know, who am I to judge? Yeah, well, I think it because it, it comes down to the because it's kind of like that that thing when you hear a punch in a in a movie and then you mm-hmm. see a punch and hear that in real life. And the thing is, when you hear it in the movie, you're like, and it's juxtaposed to the image. And so yeah. you you make the connection you're like oh that makes sense that sounds that sounds close enough and you get that la- that very very evocative psh noise yeah. you know you get um, you get that super crisp thing but a punch in real life is so like is yeah. not the same yeah it just doesn't cuz 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 right there i think you like, you punched your you punched your palm right yeah uh, exactly um, wow uh and uh, the thing is that um, the because a a punch across the face doesn't because punching the palm you get that because of the the inside yeah. of the palm there's this nice there's this nice padding there and it's yeah. concave just enough so that the air gets forced out and that makes that particular noise but you know to get that same sound against the face you only you have to slap. Right, yes. because again, yes, exactly. using the inside of the concavity, um, yeah. but for the fist, it's just kind of like it just kind of it hits it and we, less we air. We just right? got so much tissue around, like our face, our chest, everything that it's gonna be muted if you really punch someone. Yeah, and so that's, and I think that's one of the cruxes of sound design, um, at least. Uh, when it comes to onomatopoeia style sound design, so just you know, mm-hmm. oomph, biff, bap, bump, kabow, yeah, all that stuff. Like, because when you think of it, when you think of it, like onomatopoeia in in um, comics, like the when you really think about it, those sounds, things don't sound like that. They're just acclim- they're acclimated to those sounds. They're made to, um draw forth the character of the sound the character of the idea uh and that's and that's a similar thing for uh sound effects right you know it's you're drawing forth the character of the sound um and so you're saying yeah this is a punch and it hits really hard uh and we want to we want to get that impact across uh and so we we speak with uh we speak with a sound that is unreal but it encapsulates the idea of what's happening yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just thinking back. Uh, so one of the, um, uh, for the viewer, uh, one of the previous projects that I was actually design Inceptor, as Redcoat would call it, uh, yes. the one that I was like the spearhead of is called Optimistic. We're going to come back to that someday. Uh, yes, it will. It will happen. It will. I'm happen. optimistic and, about it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm still going to be design lead on that. But of course, um, yes. 
uh, I did the sound design and music for that one as well. And uh, one of the, I think one of the weirdest sounds I made with that, uh, there was some enemy that was like, uh, it looks like a backpack, you know? And yeah. I wanted to get the sound of it like opening up like a zipper. Except, yeah, yeah, like a zoop. Uh, except if I just used a regular zipper, it was like really bland because, Mm. like, a zipper in real life doesn't make, and unless you like got a specific kind of zipper, it doesn't make that same sort of thing. Yeah, so I like, I asked. No, wait, no, I'm thinking of something different. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. No, the the sound I wanted to make was it, like, using one of its uh, straps as, like, a whip. Or, oh, yeah no, yeah. no, no, I got it. It was for the uh, vine skeletons to get their, like, whip thing. Uh, uh, oh, wait, yeah, the skeleton yeah. voice. Yes, yes. And uh, the way I got that, uh, because I didn't have a whip. I don't have a whip because that would be weird. Uh, at least I feel like it would be weird. It'd be useless for me. Um, hmm. So I didn't have an actual whip. So what I did, I asked my mom if she had any like spare fabric she wouldn't mind getting like destroyed because she's she does a lot of sewing, crafting, that sort of thing. Hmm. And so... She had, like, some random blank fabric that she wasn't going to use. And so I just tore up a bunch of fabric into smaller and smaller pieces. And it got, like, the same sort of zipping noise. The, like, if I pulled it really slowly, it got that uh, iconic zzzz. If I, like, pulled it really fast, it got that sort of thing. And, of course, one of the other that kind of ties into another big thing about sound design is layering. You don't want just one sound for your sounds because Mm -hmm. they'll sound dull. Like, um, if I were... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If I wanted to make the sound of, like, say I have this... uh, thing and i wanted to make the sound of it dropping on the on a table mm-hmm. well just on its own it sounds like real life dropping something on a table it's just going to click a little bit yeah but maybe you don't want that maybe you want it to be really powerful and it's like the whole hearing a pin drop in a dead quiet room um so what are you going to do? Um, I don't know. Maybe you're going to amp it up a little, add some layers of like long, drawn out reverberations, that sort of thing. Or yeah, some bassier because... tones. Just kick it up a notch. Yeah, I know the thought that com- comes to mind is like, so if you're using the fir- if you're using the original sound as a bass, you take that one and you, you extend it a little bit, um, mm-hmm. increase the attack, um, probably increase the attack at the start um, and um, give it a little bit of reverb 
uh, and then layer it with a few, um, well, layer it with a few drums and, and things. Uh, yeah. And just be like, and so the so you get the right. kind of thing, right? Exactly. Yeah, um, but but yeah, um, but yeah. So to uh, to I suppose to close out this little section because we've gone a little bit long, mm-hmm. a little while on on this particular aspect of of this. Although this yeah. is extremely fun. Um, yeah, we're talking <laughs> about sound design. Um, it is. As, as you listeners are probably uh, listeners viewers. Uh, have probably noticed um, I'm an audiophile myself, uh, so probably go back mm-hmm. and forth on this for for hours. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit about um, music uh, okay. for you. Um, okay. So you're uh, so you you because it seems like your first uh, your first uh, forays into sound are primarily musical, um, and you know that was kind of your draw. So. Uh, and I know you do music. I know you do musical things on the side. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Okay. Yeah. So, like, like I said towards the start, um, I started getting into music with, um, like, really getting into it, like the full production scape with um, that uh, Digipen project with the mm-hmm. Wanik mm-hmm. High School class thing. Um, so like with that, I knew nothing (laughs) like I, like I knew how key, like, uh, piano keyboards work. I knew how to make sounds and (laughs) that was basically it. I didn't know anything about mixing i didn't know anything about mastering nothing like that and so uh if you were to listen to like the first song i made i have it up on uh i i have a patreon that i don't update enough and i really don't have any right to have because i don't make content enough (laughs) um but I, uh, I have the first song I ever made that uh, for that Digipen project. I have it up there, and if you were to listen to that one and then listen to like my uh, song "Never Come Up," uh, "Never Come Back," it would be a world uh, like at least five hundred universes difference in quality. And uh universes away. Yes. And because, <laughs> you know, um I'm on this one Discord server for uh it's the community server for the YouTube channel You Suck at Producing. Uh, I'm a moderator on there. I've been on there for about two years now. And my time there, I've learned more about music theory, mixing, mastering, all that. Uh, than I probably would have working alone. And one one thing that that kind of drives home for me, uh, it's never a bad idea to find people who know more than you. Like, sure, you may take a hit to your ego every now and again, 
and maybe you'll get defensive. I know I do when people comment uh, on my singing voice because, you know, it's kind of like putting your voice, you're singing into a song. Uh, it makes it very personal. Um, mm -hmm. But that that's kind of something you have to put aside in order to get better. Like, you you can be upset about it and, like, deal with that in the moment uh, and just, like, think about it. But just you got to know that there are people who have made music longer than you. And so, like, they're going to know more. So yeah, yeah. I think that's a. I think that's a good point. Um, I think that's a, just in general a good point uh, for anyone that's trying to improve on anything. Is that understanding that uh, ultimately, if you're going to improve, you have to be willing to recognize recognize flaws within your uh, within your own work. Um, and a part of that process is being able to accept. Um, being able to just accept and discern um, when criticism is um, brought upon you, because it's it's one of those things where you have to be able to, like, you get the criticism and you listen to it, and sometimes it's unfounded, and other times it is well founded. And being able to tell the difference um, yeah. and know that it's like, okay, that's a thing I got to work on, and turning that into an actionable, because I think that's a really that's a really good way to approach it is. Um, how do I put it? Uh, fail upwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, fail upwards. I like that one. <laughs> Learn from your failures. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's like, um le learning from your shortcomings that other people point out. Learn, fail upwards. I'm using that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I. I'll, I'll say I didn't make that one up. That one, I actually, I turned it on its head because originally that, that term, so that came from way back in my contracting days. It was something <laughs> we, we applied to, um, to uh, certain individuals who would like, they'd do a terrible job and then they'd get promoted and we're like, why are you promoted? Why are the people that are good still on the bottom? We're like, oh, well, you know, they're failing upwards. They'll get better, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah. but it's uh, this is a this is a much more uh, positive approach, a positive application of that term. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes, I I'd agree. I I really like that one. Uh, that and my other favorite, um, my other favorite term in regards to accepting failure and criticism and all that. Leave your ego at the door. Mm, mm -hmm, it was something mm -hmm. I learned in uh, when I was in the WANIC classes. That was like the first thing. Leave your ego at the door. I I remember even um, like in uh, January 2019, I think, I or something like that, I did a presentation for the game dev club at LDUP Tech called Leave Your Ego at the Door. I still have that uh, Google Slides. Hey, it's inspirational. It's, it's just a good thing to keep in mind because, like, it's egos are dumb. That's that's all there is to it. Egos are dumb. Getting egotistical is just 
oh, it's the quickest way to go downhill, mm. uh, especially when it comes to like the creative process and like making music. Because if you're not willing to accept criticism for your work, uh, where it is applicable, then um, you're not going to get any better. Like if I had a nickel for every time I've seen someone on the you suck at producing discord server who didn't accept criticism, I'd be so rich. <laughs> well, I think that's a, I think that's a very important thing. It's being able to accept and um, being able to accept and process uh, criticism. Um, I do think like, cause there's definitely a, I do think there is a place for not necessarily ego, um, but, uh, and I use this tacitly. Um, I use this tacitly. Uh, there is a place for pride, but it's it's a it's one of those things of where because you need pride enough to actually step out into the world and do things um, do things with your skill set. But it's it has to be an earned pride, if that makes sense. It's a right. thing of where you need to be able to recognize that. Um, you need to be able to understand where your skill level is, um, and accept that as the ability to move forward. Now, granted, it's, um, I say it very tacitly because I think there is also some strength in approaching things from a, uh, I'm about to say, uh, it's not a position of weakness. Like that was the first phrase that came to mind. <laughs> But I'm going to use a phrase from um, Hajime no Ippo, um, which is specifically, uh, you approach things as the challenger, even if you are the mm -hmm. champion, always the challenger. Um, and so there's um, a couple of things that go along with that. So at least looking at it from the Ippo lens, um, there's a whole bunch of skills that you, need, that you would need to practice up until you get to that big moment. Right. Um, and so you have to it's approaching it with the understanding that you just need to keep building those up, building them up. And then when you're at the moment, you need to have faith in those skills to uh, in faith in those skills such that you can use them with confidence. Um, and yeah. uh, I mean, that's a um, that's that's more applicable to stage performance. Um, but mm -hmm. I think it still follows for, um, I think it follows for production as well, especially if you're doing, um, if you're doing something new and interesting, um, having faith in your understanding of sonic arrangement, um, yes. and, um, audio expression are, those are, those are important and key. And that's something that you can build up through the criticism process, right? It's through through receiving criticism and acting on it and processing it, and um, you know, returning to the returning to your critics and being like, "Hey, is this better?" Um, and that can help. That helps with reinforcing an earned um, an earned pride. Uh, and again, I use the term tacitly. I think there's probably a better term for it, but um, yeah. earned confidence. That's word. Earned confidence because mm -hmm. it's slightly different than pride. Uh, yeah. Slightly. Um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was a cool. That was a cool that, little. Uh, 
thing. Cool tangent. Yeah. <laughs> cool tangent, Useful bro. Useful tangent. Useful tangent, though. Yeah, I'd say so. Very useful information. Well, now we uh, now we go to the sine or the cosine of that and uh, create our new triangle, right? Yes, exactly. So, um, with that all uh, with that all said, I suppose one of the other things I'd like to ask is, um, well, I, uh, oh. The thing that I'd like to ask you is, what do you, what do you look towards? What do you, what do you aspire to? Um, and you know, you don't necessarily even have to have an answer, uh, a clear answer at the moment, because I know that's one of the things that is one of the things on um, along the career is that you you tend to you can flip between things, and sometimes you can be in uh, be adrift. Um, but yeah, um, what do you aspire to? Um, um, I think I've mentioned this to you before, like personally, but, Mm. uh, it's not something I tend to think about too much. Mm. Like where I am right now, uh, again, context for all the listeners, viewers, whatever you're doing with this video. Um, I'm only 21, so I'm still I'm still a little baby, little little baby boy, um, mm-hmm. in terms of like adulthood and uh, mental still development. Green. Yeah, yeah, still still green. Um, and so like I'm right now. I'm at a point where like there there are a lot of things. I like to do and some of them uh for example sound design stuff with vernacular I have been paid for um but I'm not entirely sure what I want to be the only way I can really answer the question of what I aspire to be is or what I aspire to is just to like have an understanding of things you know <laughs> get yeah currently i'm at a point where i just want to get a grip on myself and the world and like figure out where i'm supposed to be I think that's not a bad goal to have, honestly, um, is that's actually, it's actually a ver- a fairly wise aspiration to have, uh, to be frank. Um, although I'm not frank. I'm You're red- not frank. <laughs> you are uh, a red yeah. coat. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely a thing. I would think, um, I think that's actually a very, a very wise goal to have, which is, um, insert, uh, the phrase I would put for this is by knowing thyself, you know, your, uh, you know, your lens and through that lens, you can understand the world. Um, mm-hmm. as then you can see by knowing yourself, you can know where your own biases are. You can know where everything, um, you can know, um, where your leanings are and you can use that to, you can use that to derive, derive different understandings of things. It's very 
it's very interesting. So yes, I would say it's not a bad it's not a bad thing um, to basically be like before I decide upon something that I want to seek before I become a seeker, I need to first seek myself. I need to understand who I am. Um, and uh, at the age of 21, yeah, it's, uh, it's actually pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like, uh, one of my many interests is psychology because, you know, I've got uh, my own brain issues that I'd like. It, it's nice to know how brains work. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's just something kind of fun because then you realize how stupid brains really are. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> that's a story for another time. Um, but the sort of saying that I would go back to with my sort of situation is the Socratic paradox. I know that I know nothing. Mm -hmm. And that is actually one of the, uh, that is actually one of the things that I always think it's one of the phrase it's one of the phrases that phrases or what's the word thought patterns that i look for when i'm analyzing when i'm analyzing a person as far as uh philosophies yeah their philosophies and also where they stand on a uh, where they stand on their um empathic wisdom as well as their um well particularly empathic wisdom but other things um mm -hmm. Whether you know that you do not know is a uh, is an important thing, um, and recognizing how little you know in any given uh, in any given situation, um, basically a certain a humbleness of knowledge um, is very uh, is very important. I think that's what allows you to expand your that's what allows you to expand your boundaries because if you know you don't know. Then that that's the first step to finding the right question to ask. And once right. you've got the right question to ask, uh, then you know. How, then you start finding out how to seek that answer. Mm -hmm. But yeah, philosophy. Yeah, <laughs> philosophy. Philosopherosaurus. Philosopherosaurus. Philosopotamus. Good job. Uh, Good job. A plus. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So that was um some cool stuff right there. Uh mm -hmm. so you had mentioned um you had mentioned uh getting into music and stuff. Uh do you have any instruments that you play? I play a multitude of instruments. Uh the first one I ever played was drum. Uh, drums, specifically uh, snare drum. Uh, hmm. Well, I mean, technically, in uh, elementary school, we started with the marimba, but I'm going based off of, like, outside of normal school. Um, I was in band in fifth grade. That was where I played snare drum. It was cool. And... Mm -hmm. uh, funny story about that uh i got placed as snare drum because i didn't know whether i wanted to play the drums or the trumpet 
Uh, it could have gone down a completely different path, but uh, the band teacher put me on snare drum, and he just he just didn't want you buzzing your lips. He just <laughs> he just knew. I I I think he just knew either that or there was a lack of drummers. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll just say that he knew. We'll he give him knew. the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but uh, from there, from there, I. Um, Went on to, uh, I, I didn't uh, really play instruments too much until like uh, summer, uh, the summer I was going into like seventh grade or something. I, uh, that's when I got, I like that previous Christmas, I got my full drum kit. And then I started taking drumming lessons. I'm still taking drumming lessons with the same teacher uh, seven or eight years later. It's been a long time. Right. Awesome guy. Uh, he even, I, I uh, went over to his uh, house one time a uh, few months back. Uh, actually, it may have been a full year ago. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, he showed me his studio and... Uh, I learned some stuff about uh, mixing and, like, using an actual, like, studio mixing board, which was pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, like getting a little off track. Uh, after, uh, in, in eighth grade, I started, I, I had a guitar class at school, um, which was super useful. Uh, it was really fun. And then I uh, didn't, um, I, I would play guitar every now and then on my own, but then I took a guitar class, another guitar class in my senior year of high school, around the same time I started getting really into music. Um, Another, so like my main two instruments are guitar and drums. Um, but I do kind of know how to play the piano. Like I can play a couple songs using both hands, but most of the time I can, like, I, you wouldn't catch me playing anything by like Tchaikovsky or Mozart or anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, none of the Johans. Yeah, none of the Johans. Um, but I do kind of know how to play the piano a little bit. And then I also have a couple very obscure instruments. I have the kalimba. It's like a thumb piano, you know, with like the... Either they make it... Sometimes they make them out of half coconuts or like some type of maybe like a box of wood or something and it's got like all the metal tines on it and you just flick them with your thumbs you know mm -hmm. yeah uh, i remember those things yeah they're fun and then i also have an ocarina which i of kind of i i have a little bit of an understanding of how to play um well, the important thing is you have to learn the the song of time. That's that's the only I, that's the I only do, song you need. I do know the song of time. I can even find the guitar or not guitar tab, the ocarina tab. Um, 
And no, the ocarina I have, while I do have the replica ocarina of time, those things aren't actually tuned properly. And so uh, they're more gimmicks. But I do have an actual ocarina. I think I got it from STL ocarinas. It's a really good one. Uh, the the way it looks, it kind of looks like um, some of the um, so, uh, it looks like it's it belongs in uh, Breath of the Wild, and and it um, it uh, it's like um, sort of a beige, and then there's like lines in it that are blue, and you can put the uh, ocarina out in the sun, and then. Uh, the UV will make it glow in the dark. Oh, wow. It's That's really fancy. Cool. It is. Super fancy. Yeah. All right. And, uh, as for guitar, I play both acoustic and I can kind of play electric. I'm currently in the process of... Uh, when When I say I can kind of play electric, I mean with both acoustic and electric, I can only... I'm only really good at playing chords. <laughs> but I You gotta start uh, something. Yeah. I'm currently in the process of building an electric guitar. I got... This past Christmas, my dad got me a kit from Stumac. And uh, right now we're at the point where we're gonna paint it, but gotta wait for a little while uh, just because, like... Um, I'm I'm still trying to decide if I want it to be a matte finish or a glossy finish, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's gonna be bright fluorescent neon green because that way I can green screen it. <laughs> and Use you'll it. never lose it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> it's amazing. Um, but yeah, those are my copious instruments okay uh copious indeed well that's um yeah it's pretty cool pretty cool well Mm -hmm. uh as it stands i don't have too many other i don't have too many other questions to ask although uh i have the i have two random ones that i will add to the end here uh the first question what is your top three favorite am- anime? Top three favorite anime. Oh, God. Okay, so the number one is, the like, the one I love the absolute most uh, is Oran Academy High School Host Club. It's It's A beautiful. Culture. Yes. Uh, second favorite, probably... Um, Oshiete Gakuchan, or t- please tell me Galkochan. It's oh, uh, it it's an interesting one. Um, it's very short. All the episodes are like five minutes max. Um, and it's basically it's kind of like a slice of life sort of mm-hmm. anime. Uh, where, um, like each section is paraphrased by a like sort of school 
rumor, like a school ground rumor, you know, like, oh, I heard if you do this thing, then this happens, or uh, is it true that this is the case? Um, and one of the things that I really like about it is, uh, for reference, a Galco, Gatico, or Galco is, Galco-chan is the nickname of one of the characters, and she's um, portrayed as a gyaru, which is a sort of fashion trend in Japan, which involves, like, getting fake tanned, uh, having bleached hair, that sort of thing. Very... Um, <laughs> the best way I could put it, uh, the best word I could use is very bimbo esque. Okay. Um, like going for the bimbo look on purpose. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And then the other two characters, uh, one of them is uh, Otaku chan or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe. Something like that. Um, who, of course, uh, is portrayed as like an otaku, like a huge nerd. Um, yeah. And then there's a third one, Ojo-chan, which is, uh, she's uh, portrayed as like, an Ojo is like a ditzy daddy's money kind of person. Um, but the thing where the anime gets really good is that they take these people that are portrayed in these stereotypical uh trends these tropes and they completely shatter them like uh in like the first episode galko-chan comes into class late um and of course like People are whispering, oh, of course she's late again. She's a fucking gyaru. Uh, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then, but uh, she walks over to Otaku-chan's uh, chair and, or seat and places down uh, like a box set of anime on her desk and is like, uh, he, thanks for lending me this anime. I stayed up all night watching it. So, like, you've got this character who looks nothing like an otaku, looks like the complete opposite, but is, like, the biggest nerd on the planet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's my second favorite. And then my third favorite is Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, uh, which is another slice of life kind of thing um yeah i i just like it it's funny i don't have any deeper reasoning <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's just it's, it's fun and cute it, i know yeah it's good <laughs> all right all right so then on to the second question yes what is your top three favorite video games you're really coming out with the big, hard-hidden question, man. Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> Making um, you sweat bullets. <laughs> okay, top three favorite video games. Um, 
One of them would have to be Binding of Isaac, uh, Afterbirth, plus, you know, like, all the DLCs. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of roguelikes. Uh, they're just so awesome. Uh, second favorite, probably uh, Destiny 2. Like, I've got a lot of hours in that because, like, I don't know. It, it's it's pretty fun to go around. Yeah, yeah. Shoot, shoot, pew, pew. And yeah, you've yeah. got, like, the supers and the special abilities and that sort of thing and there the the storyline of it is really cool too um really like it um, all right all right and then uh number three probably minecraft okay yeah, that uh i'd say minecraft was like the first real pc game that i got uh back when i was back when i turned 13 um it was and like i i was that kid through middle school and beginning of high school who were who wore the uh creeper zip up hoodie you uh, know i i was that kid uh, but you were super into it for a while I was super into it for a while, and now I've sort of calmed down with it. But I still play it every now and again just because it's, like, a nice game. Actually, you know what? Uh, Third place shares between Minecraft and the Animal Crossing franchise. I'm I'm a big fan of the uh, newest one, New Horizons. But uh, my reasoning for that, Minecraft holds a special place in my heart because it's like, it, it's just a nice game to like do things. You know, you can install mods. It's it's very flexible in what you can do. But with Animal Crossing, um, I I like first got into that with Wild World, and I attribute it as like one of the biggest reasons uh why my older sister and i have like uh as close a relationship as we do as like Mm. siblings you know Um, yeah like we would uh if i had if we had nintendo switch online we would be playing that together all the time (laughs) no joke Uh, oh wow (laughs) nice (laughs) yeah good family time good family balance Binding, bounding, bonding. Good yes. family bonding time. Yes. Exactly. With cute animal characters. Cute. Uh, but yeah. Well, that, those were my two pressing queries. They were very, very important, you understand. Yes, very of course. I know these things. Uh, very. So... Um, I sh- uh, without um, further ado, I believe the first thing that I should ask next is, where can people find you? Where can people learn about your musics and learn about the other things that you are uh, involved in? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I like that you're sticking with the weird accent. <laughs> 
Of course. Uh, of course, yes. Um, so I'm going to provide a Linktree link that'll just have like all the links like Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, my Spotify, um, just all the important stuff. It'll be down. Uh, hopefully, Redcoat puts it in the description. I, you bet. I will hold it ransom. Uh, no, uh, I will put yes. it in there. Yes, yes. Good. I will Good. put it there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm gonna be uh, like I have a couple songs on Spotify currently, and of course, uh, every now and again I'll upload stuff to SoundCloud, like just work in progress stuff. And then uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter. That's mainly where I go for, like, I don't know, just tweeting random things at 3 in the morning. Just <laughs> shooting the breeze. Yeah. And then um, I don't post that much on Instagram, but I still have one for sake of having the name. Uh, yeah. claimed and then as for YouTube I've been meaning to get back into uh, doing uh, the like making videos because um, mm. I feel like I could be making videos more often and then I'd actually have a reason to justify having a Patreon <laughs> <laughs> um, well well there but, Nessie <laughs> yeah but the main places you can find me are either uh, Twitter, my Spotify um, for my finished songs, and YouTube for when I post videos. Um, and I do also have a uh, Discord server that uh, is also linked in the link tree. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. That's those are the places. All right, and it's uh, it's softy with an exclamation point. The exclamation point is important. It is uh, important because at, at least, like, sadly, I have my name different on a couple platforms because, uh, like Instagram or Instagram, uh, doesn't allow your name to have. Uh, any characters other than like alpha numerical characters? Yeah, that's silly. Uh, yeah. So um, on Instagram, it's softy underscore music. Um, on Twitter, you can find it by searching the softy with the exclamation mark. And uh, for the record, that's S O F T Y. I know it's not spelled how. Um, it should be, but there's a reason for that uh, that I won't get into now. But <laughs> you know, there, another there's, time. There's backstory to it, and then um, yeah, Twitter, uh, YouTube. It'll also be S O F T Y exclamation mark. Um, and same with Spotify. The reason why it's most important for Spotify is because there's some other music producer who has the name Softy without the exclamation mark. And the first time I tried to upload a song to Spotify, my uh, name got linked to his account, 
and <laughs> the service I use, Amuse, doesn't let you. Uh, it doesn't let you change your artist name, so you have to make a completely new account. Uh, it's <laughs> so frustrating. So I like had to. Rec- uh, that's a story for another time. <laughs> uh, clearly, clearly, there. Uh, the only way to solve this is a kung fu battle. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Between softies. Um, yeah. Who's the softest? I don't know. It's He's pretty me. supple. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Uh, so that's uh, that's the places where we can find you. Um, mm-hmm. And softy with an exclamation point. Um, I believe we have uh, we have traveled great distances, great vi- verbal distances on this day. I do believe through. so. I can tell because my throat is getting dry. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's a good enough reason for us to end it up here, right? I'll uh, yes. let you get some water and yes. some other things. <laughs> Hydration is important, kids. Yeah, yeah. Hydrate I mean, before uh, you dihydrate. Hmm, that's not bad. <laughs> uh, hydrate before you become dehydrogenated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and bring us to the sign off here. Uh, I'll let you sign off first and then I'll, uh, I'll do the, uh, I'll do the final honors. So if you would, Softy. I'm Softy with an exclamation mark, uh, <laughs> signing off or whatever. <laughs> and this is Redco signing off. Play the games you want to play, boyos. <laughs>